Welcome to our evening service tonight. We're going to begin with number 423, a great Christian theme, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Let's stand, please, as we sing. thank the Lord again tonight. He's given us a new opportunity to gather and to give thanks and to rejoice in so great salvation. We have been saved from our sin. We know we have a home in heaven, and there is a great joy in the prospect that is set before us. Let's think about that often and rejoice and praise God. This earth that we're living on is full of turmoil full of warfare, and there is on every side, it seems, from no matter where you look, there's some sort of upheaval going on. And of course, we've been following the news of what's been going on in the Middle East and the great devastation that's taken place by evil and wicked hands. We often think about the persecuted church 
And we pray for believers wherever they are and wherever they might be in some kind of persecution. And there are terror organizations around the world that are busy, that are very busy, demonically inspired in their intention to overthrow and to cut and to maim and destroy. And so our hearts go out to those who are caught in the crossfire, the innocents who are there. And as we've been thinking about the issues of the Middle East, we pray for the Christians who are in Gaza, the Church of Christ who are there. We pray that they'll be kept in this time of great difficulty and upheaval for them. And the innocents that have been caught in Israel as too, we pray that the Lord would give light and understanding. We pray the gospel message will come with power uh, to that part of the world that is in darkness because of their rejection of the gospel, the rejection of Christ. Oh, may the Lord bring to pass what He has promised in the book of Romans, that there will be a remnant according to the election of grace that will be saved uh, from Israel and from that time and from as we draw near to the end of the days, we don't know what a day will bring forth. We don't even know what impact such events like this have in the eschatological calendar and timetable. Some people think they know, and maybe they don't, but the end of the day is concerned, and what we're concerned about is that we might understand the times and realize that the Lord has us here, as we've been thinking this morning, for a purpose. He has us here for a reason. He has us here in this time period and era for His greater purposes. Well, we are called His people to be about the matter of prayer, and we want to pray for those in authority over us, kingdoms, nations, and when evil arises from any dimension, of course, every nation has the right to defend itself against such evil. And so we pray that the Lord would help us to be a light and a witness in our time. And the church of Jesus Christ will be a voice and a witness no matter what part of the world that we are found. And the Lord would bless and help us. Let's come to the Lord, please, now in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we rejoice tonight that we are given the privilege and the freedom to gather in this fashion. We're thankful, Lord, for the return of the Christian Sabbath and the evening service and the opportunity we have of coming to gather with those of like precious faith and to lift our voices and our hearts in prayer, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Oh God, we're thankful tonight for what we have received in the salvation of our souls, the forgiveness of our sins, and the knowledge that we have a home in heaven. This world is not our final resting place. Lord, we pray that we will keep our eyes heavenward to the larger picture. And, O oh God, in the midst of all these difficulties going on around us, we pray we might be very bright lights to shine in a dark time. Help us to be a voice for the gospel of Christ. Help us, we pray, to be servants of the Most High God, earnest in prayer. Lord, You've called us to pray for those in authority over us. 
And we pray, Lord, for the nations that have been raised up and established. And we ask, O God, that those that intend evil by disruption and murder and slaughter, that, O God, You would overturn the forces of evil in our day. And terror organizations, O God, we pray that You would cause them to be stopped in their tracks in all the evil that they intend on the innocent. Dear Father, we pray that You would bless us and bless the church worldwide and bless the Christians who are in harm's way and in times of persecution when their faith is being stifled at every turn. O God, we pray for the believers in Israel today that You would help them to spread the gospel light and truth, that You would give them great grace and great peace in the times when they are also limited or persecuted or troubled. Our Father, we look forward to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all these events around us would cause us to say as John did, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Father, help us to see what's going on around us and to understand the end times to whatever degree we are able Open the Scriptures to our minds. Give us light, we pray. We always need, Lord, to have understanding in sometimes difficult things to understand in prophetic matters. But we pray for the Spirit's direction and guidance and light in our day. Father, go in front of us. We know, dear Father, there are those that are difficult, having difficulty in witnessing in countries where they are not allowed to speak the Word. We pray for our churches in Nepal. We pray for Brother Paul Thapa. We ask for all the churches that are there and being troubled by the oppression that they are receiving. We think of the church in India and how many are being troubled and persecuted by the radicals there. O Lord, may again the light of Christ continue to shine very brightly in our day. And Lord, in our own land, we pray that we will radiate the light of Christ and we'll be a good reflector, Lord, wherever we go. And we are thankful for the freedom we have to worship now. But we don't know how long this will last. And O God, we pray that we will be the people that we need to be in our generation. Bless Whitfield. Bless our school ministry. Ever, Lord, be a protector, a high wall around our work. We pray for the young people, the students that are studying there, for every staff member, for every family that is connected with our ministry. Lord, may there be a hedge around each one. We ask, Father, for those families of our staff that have medical problems at this time, and sometimes they're difficult to understand. Lord, put Your hand upon every staff member and every family member, and pour out Your grace and Your help there. Remember Calvin Gallagher tonight. We again pray for Your servant that he would know a touch of the Master's hand and healing upon him, whatever the situation may be. But Lord, in the meantime, give him great grace and give understanding and help in every step 
of his way forward. Bless our brother Gallagher. Remember Ian and Beulah. Watch over them tonight as well. Remember all the sick in our own congregation. Father, put your hand upon them. Good to see our sister Serene in the service this morning. We pray your blessing upon her. Remember Ron. Remember Richard Teo. Remember others, Lord, that need a direct touch from your hand. So, Father, hear our prayers tonight. Go in front of us. Give us help, we pray. Open the Scriptures to our heart, and may we be refreshed and edified and built up in our most holy faith. Lord, hear our prayer. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Number 291. 291. Salvation. Oh, my soul rejoice. Salvation. Let's stand, please, to sing. Turning, please, tonight in our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. The book of Hebrews, chapter 2. We're going to read the first four verses. Verses. 
Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to His own will. You know the Lord will bless His Word, to us as we have read tonight. We're going to be thinking in our service about the subject of salvation, how it is defined. And when we think about that, this is a great portion of Scripture to come to because the Apostle asked the question about how can someone escape? How can we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Well, the Lord has blessed us with the light. He has given us the truth. He has given us His holy Word. And there will not be one person that is able to stand before God at the end and say, I did not know. I didn't have enough information. I wasn't warned or forewarned. God has written His Word upon the conscience of every single human being. And that word will bear witness with the individual, and so thereby being without any excuse. God makes that very clear in Romans chapter 1. They are all without excuse. So as we come to that tonight, if you're here and you don't know the Lord, if you're not saved by His grace, you're watching online, friend, you've heard the word. The gospel has come to you at different times, different ways, And there's no possible excuse that a person will have as we come to stand before God's great day of judgment. So we don't want to neglect this, what God has provided for us. We want to be very, very clear that the Word of the Lord has no uncertain sound. The gospel has gone out with clarity. And as we Pray is the expansion of that word and across the entire globe. We pray that there will be a great in-gathering of souls for the honor of the Lord. Welcome to our evening service tonight. We're very glad that you are here, and we pray continually the Lord would bless you as you come to be under the gospel of the Lord Jesus. You would understand His truth, and you would know the way and the path of salvation. So if you're visiting with us for the first time, maybe you've come back again, you're very, very welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's good our brother Alan is with us tonight. You recognized a very special birthday not long ago. So we want to wish you a very happy birthday. It was Roger's 80th birthday. And I know you don't look much more than about 55, but it's good, brother, that you're here. And we're happy. And you also want, we understand a 56th wedding anniversary as well. So congratulations to that. Please pass on our warm greetings to Anne. 
and has not been feeling very well, not been doing well health-wise this last while. And I would encourage you to pray for Anne. She would know the hand of the Lord upon her as well. And she would bless. And the Lord would be, continue to be with both Anne and Roger. Uh, Alan, rather, Roger. Rogerson. Alan, uh, this time. And bless them together in their family. Thank you again for your faithful praying. For all of us who were down at the Presbytery in prayer times in Winston-Salem just two weeks ago now. And it was a very good time in many, many ways. And we want to look forward to Wednesday night uh, giving a more detailed report and thinking about the prayer time. We're going to be having one of the student ministers, Mr. Bobby Rowe, and he's almost ready to graduate in the will of the Lord. And so our brother's going to come and bring a devotional message, and then we'll be able to be praying for him, especially for God's direction for him in the future, to know where he would do his internship, and then also what future service the Lord would have for him. Remember on Thursday evening, our session and board meeting at 6 and 7.30, and then please remember next Lord's Day, 9.50, our Bible classes for all ages, and then morning and evening services at 11 and 6.30. We're thinking about our Port Hope 30th anniversary services coming up October 23rd to the 28th, and you are welcome to go there each night. The services will be starting at uh, 7 p.m., I believe, and we want to encourage you to attend. And then also, if you'd like to join the anniversary dinner, I said $25 this morning, but I was corrected at the door. It's actually $30 will be for that dinner each. And if you want to go, please write your name on the piece of paper. We have to know by the end of today, they have to make their plans uh, coming up very, very soon. So remember that, and it is also... A notable time for Brother Cranston it will be his retirement, 30 years that he has been ministering in Port Hope, and uh, the 29th of, uh, 28th, 29th of October will be his final uh, Lord's Day as being the minister of that congregation. So please remember our brother in your prayers. The ladies' Bible study will be recommencing on October the 31st, and if you've been receiving the emails from the church, you will see the subject matter that's being dealt with there, and that will be on Zoom only. So if any ladies would like to attend that, you can contact us, and we'll be sure you get on the list. Appreciate also your prayers for the American Council of Christian Churches meeting in Kittery, Maine, and that will be during the time, well, right through the middle of the uh, uh, anniversary services for Port Hope, and then also the mission trip that we'll be taking to Korea, and that will be mid-November. And so, again, appreciating your prayers for all of these times. The Lord will be with us and will help us. We're going to sing again to the Lord's praise. And I want to change the hymn, number 477. Hope the men in the back will be able to pick up that quickly, and our pianist as well, and organist. More love to Thee, O Christ. More love to Thee. Let's stand, please, as we sing.
Please turn now in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. Change on that one. It is 2 Peter chapter 1. My apologies. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse number 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us 
through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord bless His Word to you. Let's bow, please, before the Lord now in prayer. Our loving Father, we pray tonight that we might be very conscious of Your presence with us now, the Holy Spirit enabling us to understand the Scripture. And dear Lord, settle our minds and hearts. And give me help, I pray, by the Spirit to speak the Word of God with great plainness and certainty. Let no one misunderstand. Do not allow the devil to come with his distractions. I pray, Lord, for the work of sovereign grace in the hearts of any who are unsaved. And Lord, we pray very much for the work of grace in all our hearts. Give us, we pray, clarity. Give us, we pray, that understanding that is not human-centered or human-generated, but that which is divine. And dear Lord, glorify our Savior tonight, I pray. Draw near to us all and just close us in with Yourself. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. I want to think with you tonight about the subject of defining the great salvation that the Lord has given to us. Some things are relatively easy to define. If you think about the material gold, well, we would be able to say it is a malleable, precious metal. If you think about defining paper, it is a material made mainly 
of wood fibers. What about a knife? A knife is a sharpened piece of steel intended to cut. But other things are not so easy to define. You say the word beauty, and the old adage that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, it's true for one thing that you may find beautiful, someone else might find rather ugly. And so that's not so easy to define. To try and describe and define what love is, well, it has taken many, many lines and many songs of people from many ages and generations trying to put down what exactly that is. And if you think about more the uh, subject matter of space and time, these are again two concepts that are very difficult for us to put into a definition or a term. Some definitions are simple and some are complex. Some almost defy a definition, and others, by their existence, almost cry out for it. When it comes to something that is so great, so vast, so valuable, that it's virtually impossible to define, I believe we enter then upon the subject that we have been talking about already, what salvation is, and everlasting life, which is the gift and the result of being saved. In Hebrews chapter 2 that we have read already, the apostle described it as being so great salvation. That tiny two-letter word, so, for God so loved the world. This is so great salvation. It really tells us that it is something that goes beyond our ability to describe. Now, in the portion of Scripture in front of us, Peter writes about adding to our faith. In verse 5, he says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And then several things are described that we desire and want to see added to our faith. And we think of the fruit of the Spirit, of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of these things are somewhat defined here or described here, and we want to see them added to our faith. These are Christian graces that we want to see it being added to us, growing in our life. We add them to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to think about that little phrase at the beginning of verse 5, It says, and beside this, and beside this. And the question naturally comes, beside 
what? It is beside or the natural development from the salvation that Peter has just been describing in the first four verses. And so tonight I want us to dwell on these thoughts in the first four verses and think about what it means, believer, of what you have been given, what I have been given from the Lord, and pray that we will understand with a deeper comprehension what Christ has purchased for us, what He has done for us on our account, and that we will, in whatever we face in our life, that we will be able to rejoice when we consider our heavenly destination, and that we will be with Christ forever and forever and forever. And so the first thing we have for you is this. Beside this, beside this precious faith, in verse 1, Peter says, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith, that have obtained like precious faith. So when he uses the word faith in this portion, he is talking about what our faith represents and stands for. He is speaking about the faith that has been given to us as an instrument to receive the gift of salvation, but he's also using faith to describe what salvation is itself. For those that have obtained like precious faith, it means, brothers and sisters, that we have possessed this. It is a possession that now belongs to us. If you obtain something, you now possess something. And we ask the question, well, how have we come to possess this precious faith? Has it been as a result of the good works that you or I have been able to do? If that was the case, we would all be in a great heap of trouble. Because the Bible clearly tells us that salvation is not by works, but it is by faith alone. That we cannot obtain this salvation that Peter is talking about, that Paul describes in Hebrews, that is given to us throughout the whole Scripture. We cannot possess this by something that we have worked for in trying to obtain. And yet, friends, that describes for us every single religion in the world today. For every religion attempts to purchase by their own good works something from a higher power. And however they name that power, however they describe who that power is, that intellectual being, 
Friends, the attempt of working to obtain that is at the very root and heart of every religion in the world except Christianity. Because the revelation that God has given to us of Himself and the revelation of the gift that He has given to humankind for salvation, it has not come and received by us keeping the law of God, by any kind of work that you and I can do with a hope to obtain. David tells us in Psalm 32 that the man of God, and blessed is the man of God, to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord has given righteousness. And that very gift of the gift of righteousness that we could not obtain by our own good works, it's, friend, what you have tonight if you are in Christ. You have obtained. You now possess something. And this possession is of the result of grace. It is the gift of God to us. And as we were brought by the Holy Spirit to know our own sin and to realize the only remedy for our sin was Christ, and when our eyes and our hearts were opened to see that, we embraced it with the gift of faith and we acknowledged clearly, Lord, I could not work for anything to receive this. And the reason behind it is quite simple, because we have no righteousness of our own. We don't have any merit. We don't have anything in the bank of our capacity to pay God. And so, friends, no, tonight, as the Apostle here mentions and describes, beside this, beside this precious faith that we have possessed, it's not by works but it's also not by your own intellect. People in the early New Testament church and the Apostle John, as he wrote in the opening chapter of his own epistle and also in the Gospel rather and in his epistle, he was writing against a sect called the Gnostic sect. And that group of people tried to put forward that the value of intellect and knowledge and the gaining of knowledge is that which will move the meter on our scale, move us closer to the Lord. For if the God of heaven and earth, the infinite being, is all knowledge, then you and I have to gain more knowledge in order to know Him. And so the idea was that we will know God, we will come into possession of His salvation if we have a deeper understanding. And so there was a quest for knowledge. There was a quest to grow and educate yourself. But my dear friends, it is not by the amount of knowledge that we have. It is not by our own human intellect. It is by God's sovereign grace. It is the gift of God to us. And I say to you tonight, friend, if you are outside of Jesus, if you don't know Him, if you're watching online in the service tonight and you're unsaved, 
I will say to you, it is not by your own good works, and it is not by your intellect, uh, however smart you might be, however knowledgeable, how many degrees you might have. You cannot impress God with your knowledge. You cannot gain a little bit more from Him by the more you know, the more that we know. It is not by any of these things. And nor is it by just being a downright good person. Self-righteousness is again one of the key factors of the religions of the world. I was outside in my driveway a couple of weeks ago, and there was a man who used to live directly across the street from me. He was a Muslim man, and he moved just around the corner in the neighborhood, but he walked by the sidewalk, and he came up the driveway, and I was there, and I recognized him right away. And so we talked a bit about you know, him moving from across the street, and was he happy where he was, and the price of houses, and all that kind of stuff. And the Lord opened the door in a very simple way, as he was an elderly man, and he had all his retirement investments and everything all settled. And I said, but, but what about after that? What are you going to do when you come to the day of your death, when all resources and finances and things will be no value to you anymore? What are you going to do when you stand before the Almighty? And he began to express how that he had lived his life and he had been a good neighbor and a nice man, no doubt. And he went about to express that he had hoped and does hope that when he comes to stand before Allah, that all the good things he has done, because he's never hurt anybody, he has never offended anybody, he's never cheated or stolen from anybody. And he began to tell me all the good stuff he had done. What was that man doing? He was telling me about his self-righteousness. He was expressing that not only to me as a man, but also to God or to Allah, that when he hopes to get there, Allah is going to weigh up all the good stuff. And it will outweigh all the bad things, but he didn't really acknowledge he had done any bad things. But if there was anything, my friend, the sad reality is that a person like that is a snapshot and a picture to what many, many people in our society around us are like. They will not come to the point of acknowledging they have any real sin, not any real sin that's going to keep them out of heaven, because they have lived a good life. They have been good neighbors. They have been good employers or good employees. They've been good in so many, many ways. But surely... There's nothing in their life or account whereby they would be indebted, certainly not to have a, a God say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. See, the problem with people like that man and many, many others is that they do not acknowledge and see what sin really is. Their eyes are blinded, their minds are closed, they do not see that they have offended to the degree that the Bible speaks of all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Men don't see that. 
People don't acknowledge that. My dear friend, it's not until a person comes to realize that they are a great sinner before a holy God, and they have nothing to offer to the Lord. They have nothing to give to take away and pay for their sin. They have nothing to make atonement with. No, there is only an empty tank. Ah, but it's not just an empty tank. It is a tank that is full of iniquity, that is full of sin, and full of the rejection of the Almighty and of the Lord. And ah, my dear friends, tonight, what you and I possess in this great salvation, and beside this, Peter said, beside this precious faith that you have obtained. What does he say here also? That this precious faith is shared faith. He calls it and uses the term like. This precious faith that is possessed and shared with many, many others And you know what it's like when you come to meet someone, a total stranger, and as the door and the conversation may begin and opens, you can see by their face that they're different. Hopefully they can see by your face that you're different. And you will say to them, are you a man of faith? Do you know the Lord? And when you ask someone, do you know the Lord? If they truly are saved, they will respond to you, yes, I know the Lord. And they will go on to tell you, I know Christ is my Savior. And I know that He has died to take away my sin. And I know I love Him. And so when we think about the preciousness of the faith that's revealed to us through the Scripture and so great salvation, and we come across other believers we can rejoice with them because they are going to share in the same possession that we have. We are united in spirit. We're united in heart. And that is a very special unity. And as we were thinking this morning about all the differences there are among Christians and how we are not in uniformity, but we want to enjoy the precious unity that we have by the person of our Lord. And as we dwell upon the shared faith, the possessed faith that we have, we can thank God for His mercies. Now, but there's another thing here. This faith is valuable I talked about defining gold. And we can think about it as being a precious metal. A precious metal because it has so many purposes. And throughout the beginning of time, really, gold has been, in economies, it has been the the weight of measurement of value. And so, an ounce of gold has a value to it. And we still use that same measurement 
to judge the weight of that precious metal today. And gold has a value. And we can measure that and be appreciative of it. But what about the value of something that is considered beyond the description of a commodity that we would weigh in a balance? How can we begin to say and describe the preciousness of what Peter is talking about here? We have like precious faith. In the Old Testament, the word precious was used to mean rare. And so, in the days of the judges, the Word of God was precious. The Word of God was a rare commodity. And when we think of something that has value, it may well be a rare thing. But something that is rare, it increases its value. And brothers and sisters, as we consider tonight and think about the great value of our salvation to us, never never barter it away. Never demean its value by compromising the truth. Hold in your heart the highest level to the value of what we have been given. And never allow the devil to have you bartered away or throw it aside or compromise its value by entering into some sin, some compromise. The next time the devil brings to us a temptation that maybe we've fallen to before, say and speak and say, I will not, by God's grace, bow down to that temptation because I cherish and value this which I have been given far more than the pleasures of sin for a season. Isn't that exactly what Moses did? When he was in Egypt and he had all the wealth and riches, he said, no, I will not take those things because he counted the value of his salvation, of what God had given to him, so much greater than all the riches of Egypt. Ah, friends, the Lord Jesus asked that rhetorical question, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? How can we possibly begin to think of such a thing? There is no explanation or answer to that question because there cannot be anything placed on our eternal soul and the salvation that God has given to us. My friends, I want you to notice also the Apostle Peter, he said, and beside this, this grace and this peace. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied. Our Savior, He was full of grace and truth. And when he spoke, he spoke as one that had authority. 
The words that he communicated were full of peace. They were full of forgiveness. They were full of invitation to those that would receive his word. As his word and his sermons and his messages went out, the people noticed that grace flowed from him. And John, in the first chapter of his gospel, said, We beheld him. We beheld the Son of God who was so full of grace and truth that that was the way he described him. And so when we think about what has been given to us through the work of the Lord Jesus, Peter describes our salvation as this grace and this peace. Salvation is of grace because there is no room at all for boasting in it. When we get to heaven, no one is going to be able to stand up and say, I am here in heaven because I did this, this, and this. No one's going to be able to say that I'm here in heaven because when the message of salvation came out, I realized it was the thing for me and I took it to myself. And therefore, I have some cause of acknowledging my part in the whole effort. Sovereign grace is just that. It's free. It's full. It cannot be worked for. And we have been given the gift of God's sovereign grace. Believer, tonight, you go to put your head upon your pillow you go to rest. You say, thank you, Lord, for your grace so rich, so full, so free, that I never could have worked for it. I couldn't have done anything to obtain it of myself. And you have blessed me with the reception of this, and now I have your peace. And you see, when a man has received the grace of God, and we also have the peace of the Lord with it, we can say as Romans 5 verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And that middle wall of partition that was broken down between the Jew, the Gentile, the apostle uses this as a great illustration of that partition wall being broken down that once was between us and God. And now we have full access to the Lord. Now the scepter of God's holiness and righteousness has been extended to us, and we have been able to lay hold upon that, and we are now welcome and brought into His presence. Therefore, that's why, believer, no Christian has to ever be afraid to go to prayer we are able to come boldly. The apostle says, don't hesitate. Come boldly. You have authority. You have authority to enter in by the grace of God. And we have peace with the Lord tonight. Ah, but there's more. Because the apostle also says in verse 2, and beside this knowledge, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our 
Lord, through the knowledge of God. Our Savior in John 17 prayed, and He said, And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. They might know Thee, the only true God. And so Peter acknowledges that this knowledge that we have has been given. It's a knowledge that has come whereby God has revealed Himself to us. You see, friend, we could never have found out God if the Lord had not made Himself known to us. Because of our sinful nature, we have been closed off. We are dead in trespasses and in sins. And therefore, the Lord graciously has given to us His written revelation, the revelation of Himself to a fallen world. And this knowledge has come to us by the Lord's grace, by the Spirit's work in us. And now we can say we know Him. What did the Apostle Paul say as we thought this morning? He prayed in Philippians chapter 3, Oh, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection. Paul knew Christ. He knew the Holy Spirit's abiding in Him. But he desired that he would have a greater, a wider, a vaster understanding of all and who the Savior was to him. The Apostle says, Through the knowledge of God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's what Paul said to the Colossians, chapter 1, verse 10. Increasing in the knowledge of God. That's our quest as God's people. We know the Lord, but we want to know Him more. We, we know our Heavenly Father, but we want to know more of Him. Friend, is that your daily desire? Is that a daily prayer? That, Father, when I come to the Scripture, You would make Yourself known to me in a wider capacity. I might know Him. Ah, but Peter goes on. In verse 3, he said, and beside this divine power, according to His divine power, He hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We feel so weak at times in our ability, but we have been concentrating the last while on the Holy Spirit in us And we have been thinking about the need for power in the Christian life. This was really a focus among our ministers in our times of prayer just two weeks ago. Acknowledging very much our weakness in the work of God and the need for the demonstration of that power as we move forward. Not diminishing the day of small things, not saying we haven't seen anything happening, 
No, the Lord has been doing His work, but we long to see a greater manifestation of that power. Peter says, according to His divine power. In other words, it is not out of or diminishing divine power, but it is the fact that God is omnipotent and He has promised to give to His church, His people, that which we need to live every day, that which we need to be a witness faithful to Him, a witness every day, and the power of God to overcome the temptations of the devil. And He has told us, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. We need that divine power day by day. And Christians, as we think about what the Apostle mentions about adding to our faith, we haven't even got to that part yet, and he's now just defining what is our faith. What is this great salvation that we have? He speaks about a holy calling. In verse 3, He has called us to glory and to virtue. As we are saved, in the day we were saved, we were destined for glory in heaven. Romans chapter 8 makes it very clear that we are already, we're already justified, we're already glorified. God sees the work that has been done in us as a finished work. And the more we understand and comprehend our salvation from God's vantage point, it will help us. It will enable us to live each day in the joy and victory of what He has given to us. We are not, as we often say, we're not fighting to obtain the victory but we are to be living as God's children in the victory of Christ every day. Are we doing that? Are we living in the glory and by the virtue of where we have been called and the witness we are to give? If Christ was the eminent example of a virtuous man and He lived His life in perfection, and we as followers of Christ are called to follow Him and to be like Him, then it is a good prayer to pray that we would have the virtue of Christ in us. And to have that virtue and that glory so that we will be a living example and testimony of Him. Day by day, believers, the person you meet the job you're doing in your workplace. It might seem somewhat mundane to you. It might seem ordinary, doing the same thing over and over again. But as we are living every day, and as we are living every moment, virtuously following the pathway of Christ, don't think that what we're doing is empty or a waste. No, we are living for our Savior's glory. And as we are living out our everyday existence, God is looking down upon your life and He is happy with you. Believer, the difficulty that we are under, and I sense the weight of this too, 
you feel that maybe the Lord is not happy with you, or He's angry with you, or maybe He's, oh, you messed up again. But to think of it the other way around, that when God the Father looks upon your life, He sees you through His Son. And whenever God looks upon Christ, He is happy. He is pleased. He is honored. And when He looks upon our Christian life, He sees the virtue and the value of our Lord Jesus. Let us therefore embrace this truth and walk and live in the light of this every single day with joy and with blessing and with peace in our hearts. And all, friends, He has given to us exceeding great and precious promises. And beside these precious promises, you see what He's doing here? He is showing to us, and He's building, building block upon building block. And He's doing all this before He even gets to the point of saying, now I want you to grow in the grace of the Lord by adding to your faith. It's beside this so great salvation, beside the precious promises that we have been given, verse 4, they are exceeding, they are great, and they are precious promises. And the Word of the Lord is filled with promises for God's people. Now, there are some promises in the Bible that do not necessarily apply to you or to me. There may be some specific time-related historic promises that relate to the nation of Israel, for example, that may not relate to me personally. But when we see the promises that God made to an individual or maybe to a nation or a people, we will draw the application of that truth to our own hearts. But apart from some of those, there are for us so many. And it is a good practice that in the reading of your Scripture, you underline the promises that God has made. Because when we underline them and think about them, friends, we'll be able to take them as our promises, what God has spoken for us. When was the last time you prayed on or over a promise that the Lord has given to you? We thought about that this morning. When the Lord wants us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so that is a word, a statement, and we pray over that promise, the Lord will answer that prayer. Because He has given to us His divine nature. In verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. This is a wonder that, friends, goes beyond description. Our old sinful nature has been replaced. It has been returned, and we have the divine nature in us. 
and God's nature that is in the heart, in the life of believer, it is Christ's nature. It is the nature of the God who has created us and the God who has saved us. And that great wonder, it changes our mode of operation. It changes our perspective on life. It changes how we behave. Because once we have been regenerated, once we have been born again of God's Spirit and the divine nature has been placed inside us, now we think differently. We don't think like the old sinful wretch that we used to be. We now are thinking like a child of God. Knowledge has come to us that we did not have before. The light has come on into our soul. The light of Christ has flooded our being. And now we know things that we never knew before. Now we know that our destination is certain. Now that we know that death, though it's not a welcome thing, it is not a thing to be feared because we are going to be ushered from this life into the presence of our God. For to be absent from the body, it is to be present with our Lord. And God's nature is now in us. And my dear friends, as difficult as that is to really comprehend, as difficult as this is to really grasp the truth of it, it is God's Word. And the more you pray for illumination from the Spirit of God, Lord, deepen and broaden my capacity to take in that God lives within me. And the Father and the Spirit and the Son have taken up their abode inside my soul and my life. And because of that, friends, and the final thought I leave with you is this. And beside this, we have a a great escape. Verse 4 says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Peter is speaking about the battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. He is speaking against the temptations that are going to dog the trail of every believer along this life's journey. And you cannot escape that, except the Lord does give us the way of escape that we might be able to bear it. For there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But the Lord will, with the trial, with the testing, make a way of escaping. And that's exactly what Peter is speaking and talking and picking up here. We have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. John in his epistle says that whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. And when you read that in its bald and direct expression, you think, how can that be? Because I know in my own heart that I have fallen or I have grieved the Spirit of God. I've committed some sin. But friend, the context and the application means this that once you have been born again of the Spirit of God, your life has been forever changed. You're not going to be committing the same pattern and habit and determination to sin that once you did. That has been forever broken in your saved life. Can you stumble and fall? Of course we can. 
But it's not going to be by a habit. It's not going to be by that which we are embroiled in the corruption that once chained us. No. We've been delivered from that now. And we are different people. Though he fall, David said in the psalm, though the righteous man fall, he will not be utterly cast down. He will not stumble and fall to be cast away. But if we stumble and fall, the Lord is there to pick us up and carry us on our way. For Peter said, we have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Dear friends, we must prepare ourselves and we must use the defenses that God has given us in His Word. For we know the devil and we are not ignorant of his devices against us. And we want to pray daily that we'll be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And we will walk having the armor of God on us. And the Lord has blessed us with all of these parts. If we have the shield of faith, we will be able to stop all the fiery arrows of the devil. That's the promise of God. We have escaped the corruption of the world through lust. We have the sword of the Spirit. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the belt of truth. We have the, the shoes of the gospel of peace. The Lord has provided all of our needs. Therefore, let us not be trampled down by the evil one, but to realize that the devil is defeated and that we are victorious. And there is no corruption in the world that is able to take hold of us because we have escaped that corruption through Christ Jesus who lives in us. After this, beside this, on top of this, the Apostle says, we have so great salvation. May the Lord write His Word upon our hearts tonight. We're going to close our service by singing number 295. 295. Full salvation. Full salvation. Lo, the fountain open wide. Streams through every land and nation from the Savior's wounded side. Please stand as we sing.
last verse. Care and doubt, gloomy sorrow, fear and grief are mine no more. For faith knows nothing of dark tomorrow, for my Savior goes before. Because we have so full, so great, and so free a salvation. Just before we close our meeting tonight in prayer, I didn't announce tonight again we wanted to have a want to have a, a little meeting afterward to give some information about the upcoming potential congress in Northern Ireland in the summertime. And if you're at all interested or just want to hear a little bit about that, you're welcome to stay behind. We'll take a few moments and just a fellowship. I'll go to the door and shake the hands of those folks who are going to be leaving. And then we'll come back into this center section over here. Anybody will just have a seat. And I'll call you back at that time and uh, share a few uh, things with you. Let's close our service here now in prayer. Father, we give thanks tonight for all that we have received. We could never, cannot ever, Lord, fully give thanks. We cannot express the praise that is due to Your holy and great name. But I pray, Lord, we would be strengthened with might in the inner man. We would grow daily in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And so, Father, part us in Your fear with great blessing until we come to meet again. For we ask in Jesus' holy and precious name, Amen.